Hello and welcome again to The Quest for the Good Life with Dr. Mike Strauss. Uh, Dr. Strauss, last time we kind of cracked open the door and I'm hoping that today we will be able to kind of enter the neighborhood network. Yeah, I, I uh, appreciate that, Evo. I, you know, if, if by now what you should know, at least if you listen to any of our series, is, is uh, you know, nobody wants to live in a congregate care program. And really people want to live, you know, in their own home uh, and be part of a, a community or, in our opinion, a neighborhood. And the truth is, uh, when you look in the makeup of those communities, there's lots of people with needs that live in those communities and you know, multiple housing developments that he owns. He said 25% of the people who live there in normal apartment communities, not 55 plus communities, 25% are seniors. Wow. Yeah. And, and so, as you know, the numbers in seniors, I mean, there's one, uh, 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 somebody's becoming a senior uh, every eight seconds, 10,000 a day. Uh, seniors. I mean, it is the tsunami of the baby boom, right? It is happening right now. And as that flood hits there, uh, and people are living longer, right? And, and we know, you know in the past episodes, they don't want to go to assisted living and they don't want to go to congregate care. And with COVID, we know why, among other reasons, we know why, why they don't want to go there. But the other side of that is we, we need to understand why they want to stay in the community and in a neighborhood is, is it offers so much for them. What, what a neighborhood is, is this collection of people who really get to know each other over time and want to help each other. And a neighborhood smaller than a community. And so what you're seeing is an exodus from single family homes to apartment living for seniors. You know, and these exodus is is either to 55 plus communities that's designed to be around seniors or or actually more commonly it's to individual apartments and small cottage homes that are just part of typical housing communities which have a lot of seniors in them you know and and so uh, our goal you know is to develop services that are an organic amenity of the neighborhood. Our service model was created to embed services, actually infuse them in a well-selected neighborhood. So in such a way as they could be available to the people who have needs in that neighborhood, not just seniors. I mean, our goal, you know, of course we can deliver services to seniors, but our goal is if all kinds of need wants to live in a neighborhood and be independent. We're talking about, you know, people with intellectual disabilities and, you know, somebody with MS or a physical disability or, or maybe has a, 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 some type of mental health concern or a senior who has growing dementia or needs support. Um, all these people live in a neighborhood. You know, I always think back and remember the Mr. Rogers of all the different people, you know, in the neighborhood and how he had introduced all the different players in the neighborhood. And they're not cut from one cloth. You know, they're a tapestry of needs. And this support, I would tell you, is to help them have uh, freedom and overcome some of the barriers for independent living. But it's interesting, a lot of those barriers are similar. 
you know, they're not completely unrelated uh, across those populations. The bottom line is lots of different people live in, in a neighborhood and that support system, which we call a neighborhood network, we create and embed it so it is a permanent part of the neighborhood. And we're going to talk today at very high level on what those elements are. But, but before that, I can tell you it starts with a well-selected neighborhood. And, and I, I guess I want to talk for a minute about what that is. We have to look at a neighborhood that has the qualities and amenities that the people that we want to support want. And everybody wants a reasonably affordable housing. We want to make sure it's safe and well-designed. So, you know, we like open floor plans, ground-level apartments, and that the streets are, are well-lit and that, that there's not a lot of through traffic. Clubhouses exercise, pools, walking trails, uh, you know, everybody wants some of that stuff, and, and uh, most developments have it now. Uh, and then we want to make sure that it's close to some amenities that people want. I mean, is it close to parks? Is it close to churches? Is it close to grocery stores? Is it close to where they, where their health care and, you know, needs, shopping needs, restaurants? We actually have an assessment the University of Kansas worked with us to develop where we basically assess the qualities of the neighborhood and help rank them uh, to make sure that they have the qualities that, that, that meet our needs. But that's what it starts with. And then we start putting in, you know, the, the, the things that it doesn't have that we can offer. And that's our supports. We, we really start with what we call professional neighbors. I mean, literally, one of the characteristics of our program is that we don't really want to just shift staff support on top of a neighborhood because the, the whole idea is that we want everybody to be a part of the neighborhood, even the people who provide the care. So, you know, we created a position that we call the professional neighbor. And this is a full-time position, well-paid. Their house uh, is an amenity of their job. So they get their house free and a nice salary. And, you know, we have an, a number of these individuals who actually organically live in the neighborhood. And so the professional neighbors are responsible for providing care. And we start building a volunteer network. And it's pretty cool because, you know, most people in the neighborhood, you know, if, if, if asked, would be willing to help their neighbor. Now, would they be willing to help somebody in another part of town that they might not know? You know, every time you get that apple gets farther from the tree, you know, it, it's a little harder to get people to help. But if you're talking about your neighbor that you already know or that you will know or that you feel like you're really making a difference in something that you can see tangibly, it's not that hard to get people to help. But the people who we do help also want to be volunteers. And, you know, we've learned that is that a person with intellectual disability may need support, but they also have something to offer and, and they want to have purpose. You know, we've talked so much and, oh my gosh, right now, people who are in congregate care and actually people who are sheltering in place at home for COVID. It's so uh, socially isolating. So there's all kinds of things that we can do to help each other out. It's not all about just chores. It's about 
really just spending time with each other. It makes sense. You know, this got me thinking about the blue zones. Are you familiar with the blue zones? No. So there's been a lot of research uh, lately about the so-called blue zones around the world. There's um, these places, these regions where people live to be 90 and 100 years old. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, and so uh, some of those places are in Japan. Uh, one mm -hmm. famous one is in the island of Sardinia, off the coast of Italy. And what they've discovered, to the amazement of the researchers, is that these people that are 100 years old, they're not just very old, but they're functioning. What's the point of living to be 100 if you cannot participate in the world surrounding you? But those people are actively participating in the community. And what I've discovered yeah. is not just the Mediterranean diet or a lot of fish and exercise, but also every one of those blue zones was uh, located in a place where a tight-knit community existed, a neighborhood. People communicating with each other, neighbors, not just relatives, but neighbors, and people living in their own home, 100 and over 100 years old. And maybe ultimately, that's what we're trying to create with the Neighborhood Network, a blue zone in the United States, something we don't have yet. That is exactly right, Evo. What we're trying to do is create a neighborhood where they're highly engaged, they have purpose, and they have support uh, so that they can live a full, enriched life in a place, and we're creating kind of this little ecosystem there that that supports that and sort of amplifies humanity and giving it an outlet. And the outlet is need of neighbors. Beyond the professional neighbors and the volunteers that we cultivate, uh, you still have to have a great system to recognize when need occurs and deliver need, uh, support at the moment of need, and, and, and that's where technology comes in. But there are a huge number of needs that are inter intermittent. We have this incredible technology called iLink uh, support technologies, and all the homes are outfitted to have smart technologies, including sensors and, and all kinds of buttons for self-directions and, and intercoms for, for us to communicate interactively. Uh, with people, what you want is the ability to self-direct and notify people that there's a need and know that that's going to immediately cause a chain reaction that's going to have it satisfied. And even if you can't self-direct it, sensors and other things can occur, or we can literally be virtually present so that we have virtual staffing there. Nobody wants uh, to have somebody sitting there waiting for for you to have a need. I mean, that's that's the worst kind of intrusiveness that I know. Well, now you only have to pay for the things that you can't do. I mean, think about that from an economic point of view, is that we're providing an ecosystem where people can have a great life and only get the support that they need. The other thing is true. You move into a nursing home and you move into congregate care by its inherent design, it is designed to remove your independence. Because if you start acting independently, that's risk. I mean, oh, you know, how you walk and whether it's with, or should you be out of that chair, eat at a certain time, get up at a certain time, everything is ordered for you. And 
when you move to a system like that, your purpose is very uh, challenging. But we can we can you know, we can do it differently with a neighborhood network. And by golly, we're going to try and turn that thing into a blue zone. I think. <laughs>